0: So, why does a human being need more than... I can see, you have, okay, you have your clove jar, and maybe you have some kind of clove-based eating disorder or fetish, so you have a backup clove jar. Oh, okay,
1: so all of these are refugees from Morgan's Pantry, from their old apartment back in um uh, undisclosed city. <laughs> ah, refugees. <laughs> I keep talking about it like to make it more anonymous, but everyone fucking knows we live in New York.
0: All of our traffic's just bounced through the Instagram thing and all those posts I fucking tagged, so, uh, you're boned. Yeah, we're from New York. You can tell through the subtle sound of arrogance, sort of in the back tone of my voice.
1: So, what Morgan has informed me is that, uh, their family, you know, liked baking, um, honey-baked hams. Here's the thing, though. I'm gonna get into that in a second. Uh, here's the thing. They had already been on their own for a good two or three years before we moved them to, you know, to Brooklyn, then, you know, when we moved in together, right? Uh Uh-huh. That happened about three years ago. So we're looking at a span of, like, six years.
0: Oh, cool. Six-year-old cloves. They can go to first grade now.
1: Is that at least six-year-old cloves, probably more.
0: Can these cloves get married in Georgia?
1: And the only explanation I was given is that Morgan's mother likes making honey-baked hams. That is why they had several pounds of oh, clothes. it's really
0: cool to know that Morgan's mother used cloves as a front for moving coke. You know, just shuffling white around. She's really on that Rick Ross hustle. Literally the song Hustlin'.
1: I'm just picturing an accountant just demanding, there's no possible way you could be baking 300 honey-baked hams every week.
0: Well, you know how it is, Mr. Carter. The real Noriega owes me a 100 favors.
1: Anyway, so my, uh, my my spice rack is, um... <laughs> Morgan used an ugly word to describe what it looked like before now, but it, it looks fine now. I'm about to make my kitchen nicer, you know, tomorrow, so that this is all in preparation for that, and that was... Ooh, what's your
0: standard for a nasty word? Like, on a scale of one to the way that a Republican <laughs> intones the word thug. <laughs> we're on the thug scale, is it?
1: If we're on the thug scale, yeah, it's... It, don't worry about it. <laughs> so, it's a word that you don't say out in public. It's like, it's a word that I think that, you know, well, like, this out use sometimes.
0: We're both in private. It's just being broadcasted everywhere. and being 2000s, public. yeah. And being consumed by more people than you'll ever look at in a single room. I
1: don't know, I've been to a concert.
0: Oh, man, that Nine Inch Nail show was a thing.
1: Right? Yeah. That wasn't even like a fucking like sold out show or anything. I remember going to see Paul McCartney when I was like 12. Jesus fucking Christ. I can't even remember if he brought the house down or not, but that was just a lot of motherfuckers in that building. I feel like it was Madison Square Garden. What about the
0: ACDC thing?
1: It was more crowded than that, I think.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, your travails of the uh, indoor arena. The best concert I think I've ever been to was a Blind Guardian show in New York. Because Blind Guardian's best feature, maybe annoying if you're outside of the loop, but out of all the culty fan bases, theirs is among the cultiest.
1: Oh yeah, so there's a whole lot of audience participation, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, a whole lot of audience participation, 100% lyric retention.
1: Yeah, it's like a... the
0: enthusiasm is through the roof. We sacrifice a goat halfway through. It's not even like a black metal thing. It's just that well,
1: it's J R <S. R. <S. R. <S. R. Springsteen.
0: Yeah, yeah, J R R. Springsteen. You know. One might call it a uh, Herbert Queen, actually, if you want to be a patrician (laughs) blind guardian. Sure. And that is information that is in my brain instead of how to date in high school, which is to my sort of advantage in this phase of life, since ideally, you know, I
1: don't think that knowledge is in anyone's brain, even if they are dating and are in high school.
0: I don't know. A lot of the grooming types in the uh, wrestle business seem to keep that data just short. You know, just the Joey Ryan notepad.
1: Oh, fuck. You would never guess what happened to me while I was sitting alone in my apartment today.
0: I don't know what happened to you, but I was trying to buy some groceries and I ended up with 17 charges for grooming. It was crazy. (laughs) And I was like, okay, double digits. They're they're not throwing the book at me, at least. (laughs) So, I don't know if it carries across in my uh, fine microphone here. But there's a little skip in my spirit today. There's a little sunshine in my voice.
1: Oh, man, yeah, we liked both of the shows we watched. Sorry, I I got excited. I know you're trying to do a whole <laughs> bit there. No, we liked both of the shows we watched. This fucking never happens. Well, it happens sometimes. But, you know, we weren't sure about either show going into them. We came in pretty blind to both.
0: We came in as blind as a Guardian, and, man... I had just this hangover after Princess Connect where I just looked at cell animation and said, Who cares for you? You've betrayed me. Like, it's a good thing that Sam did a whole solo video essay fucking thing on the nature of the isekai form. Because my version of that speech is pretty much the word fuck. Followed by very personal insults to marketers, directors, <laughs> voice actors, just things you're not supposed to say about individual people when trying to make a salient point about media. But this week was all kinds of fun. By the way, in case I seem like gonna to a pretentious fuck, both shows that are great, neither is particularly or even at all deep, really.
1: No, absolutely not. This is going to be the first time I say this in this episode. I'm probably going to end up saying it more often than that. Because I found myself saying it as we were watching these shows. Uh, These shows being The Great Pretender and The Guide of High School. And while watching both of these shows, very different shows, very good shows for very different reasons. I just kept saying, it's amazing how good an anime can be when it's not wasting its time on stupid fucking bullshit.
0: If I can make a small uh, modifier or addendum to that. I would say stupid fucking tired bullshit, because God of High School has is just a real fresh crop of bullshit thrown in there. Like,
1: well, it's extremely dumb, right? But yeah. it does not have this fucking identity crisis that a whole bunch of um, the kind of dumb fuck. I you know who I like as my whipping boy for this because it's such a perfect example of it. I, I don't oh, is think it you. A ended time?
0: It. Is a Seraph time?
1: I'm talking about the show Noragami, uh, which. I like to use as a good example of a bad example for, you know, a, you know, sort of uh, imaginative shounen action thing, whatever, that gets so tripped up in its own really not very inspired world building that um, it just never manages to engage you to begin with. And then, like, it uh, fucking goes on for 12 episodes, and you expect me to sit around for this much?
0: It just gets caught up its own uh, minutia?
1: Immediately. Like, fucking immediately. Not even five minutes in, they've dropped, like, seven different fucking proper nouns. They have this whole thing where it seems like they're trying to drop you into this world, but instead uh, it, it only draws attention to how fake it all feels with them just doing things that feel unnatural, saying things that feel... Uh, you know, stilted and weird.
0: You've really got to love when a show invites you to take a deep dive into the kiddie pool.
1: Uh, yeah, and and I almost fucking broke my neck.
0: So Sounds like it. So, sounds like we're naturally veering towards a god of high school first, and, uh...
1: Yeah, yeah, I think we could talk about fucking... If there is a word
0: for-, <laughs> for everything in this show, I think it's just Momentum. Things just keep happen- velocity, velocity. Yeah, <laughs> things just keep happening at the pace I want them to, end.
1: they have been very fast, um, but not never too fast. But always,
0: they're always moving. Certainly. And if I were to describe just all of its positive moments, just think of every cutscene that you didn't skip in a fighting game. Yes, and it is like this highlight reel of that logical wavelength of that mood. <laughs>
1: And then your mood is that guy screaming Wombo combo, right in that video. <laughs> Just, that ain't Falco. That's you. That's you screaming yeah, that because this so fucking rules. You're an it's...
0: audience member when that one guy blocks Chun Li seven thousand fucking times.
1: Yeah. And its its fucking fight scenes are phenomenally well animated. I don't know, like, where the fuck they. What the fuck kind of Sakaga bullshit they're doing? Because the the entire show looks gorgeous. I mean,
0: judging by the product placement, I'm guessing that Crunchyroll bet the farm. Actually, that's sort of oh the weird. Oh man, did the they weird... kick the
1: fuck in, yeah?
0: That's the weird uniting thread of this episode. It seems that it's just two streaming service betting the farm.
1: Yeah, yeah, great pretender was Netflix. Um, I don't know if they're just distributing it, uh, because that's often what Netflix does, but or if they actually had some. Amount of, you know, like, financial hand in the show, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I guess I could look that up. But that, that, that'd be hard.
0: At least as far as the US version of this business goes, both of these shows have their, uh, liege lords.
1: Exactly, yeah. It's premise, right? There's a fighting tournament in Seoul. Okay.
0: Alright, so, um. Congratulations, you <laughs> understand the god of high school. You there we go. heard the title and worried, oh no, we're gonna have to go through all this high school bullshit. Where do you think we are? <laughs> are Fuck that. <laughs> What kind of non-fighting vocabulary did you fucking off in there? There are three kinds of scenes in The God of High School. Fighting, backstory, and comic relief.
1: I want to say you get, like, three parts one, one part the second one, and then 1.5 parts the third one. It's
0: the perfect fucking ratio. By the way, I normally don't end up praising the comedy in a lot of, like, non-straight comedy series, or particularly in action oh anime. no this is
1: really fucking funny
0: this thing has this looney tunes sensibility behind its physical gags that um
1: oh do we want to bring that up i mean it's
0: <laughs> all right so skip ahead if it you, was you my don't favorite a, moment. Uh, skip like two minutes you don't want like a comedy spoiler but the moment that bought me into the show was just a bit of animation <laughs> there's a chase sequence on a bike
1: and one of the characters is standing up on this bike right and, and they're she's on about you know to a wear
0: her fucking climactic fighting game technique you know the nonsense and with perfect comedic timing <laughs> with the perfect crunch of metal in the audio like however they fucking foleyed that in she just goes wham into this street sign and leaves an impression of her face in it and I on said, the other
1: side yeah
0: and i said i will watch all 12 episodes of this season <laughs>
1: I was pretty much on board with this throughout that whole chase scene. This happened, I think, in the last, you know, I want to say 30 seconds of that scene, uh, give or take. I was pretty on board with the show already. Then they gave me that fucking gag. Yeah, it was... And I i was just kneeling down at my computer, just whispering, Thank you. Uh, and, uh, it, it's Thank you great because the, th- the show knows how funny that gag was because... A few seconds later, she comes up not having been able to remove the sign from her face. You know, she's still got this giant fucking road sign yeah. <laughs> that she's embedded in, and it's the show taking a victory lap because they knew how funny that was.
0: But you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna begrudge them that. It's one of the tough few times that fucking double dip works because, boy, that is some rich flavor <laughs> they're dipping that chip back into.
1: It's just such a great little image. Oh man, I was worried, right? I was worried that I wasn't going to like this.
0: I was also worried because the description of this just plucky young high schooler uh, Uh. with funky hair enters a tournament. uh, And then I came in and I don't know, just very, it's very brisk, energetic. There's a chaotic vibe to it.
1: What had me worried was the fact that I was so amazingly cold on Tower of God, right? Just, it it did fucking nothing for me. I thought it was really just boring at best. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was seeing ahead, right? I was peering into the future, thinking, oh no, this is another new fucking thing that's happening in anime that I'm going to end up hating, and then, you know, that makes me just a curmudgeon who hates new things and you know my opinion is very easily ignored and you know like you know, and, and who could blame them because like i hate isekai right i fucking despise isekai gachapon animation makes me fucking sick yeah i know that everything is selling merchandise or whatever sure like this, this is the system that we live under but the Gotcha anime is just such a fucking transparent advertisement for a mobile game You know, first and then show second or even third, you know, after go to waifu gallery.
0: Gachapon animation is, like, reducing art galleries to the price tags. Yeah. And you can just walk around looking at different price tags. And occasionally, like, just a gallery assistant will just bend forward to show, like, bra colors. You're like, thanks, I guess.
1: Yes. Uh, So that that was the second new thing in anime that I absolutely fucking despise. And here's the third new thing in anime, right? Anime based on webtoons. The you know the big premiere one, so far as I know, I mean, the big one that everyone was talking about at the very least, was Tower of God, and you know, as I Tower said, of God didn't like the it. The charge
0: as mediocrity often does.
1: And I was like, oh, please, no, I want to like at least one new fucking thing, and then, from the heavens... With a roundhouse kick that shattered my fucking jaw. came <laughs> God of high school.
0: There's so much beautiful violence in and this I've, show.
1: And I've never been so grateful to have been beaten half to death.
0: This, it reminds me of the feeling I had when I was watching the first half of Afro Samurai. And I'm just there smiling like, none of this has to mean anything. I'm just having a <laughs> good time. <laughs> In terms of new and old things, there's almost a real horseshoe theory here because at the end of the day, through the whole Webtoon film, this is basically an Arc-Sysworks thing, right? Bear? Like a Guilty Gear or a Blaze Blue, just in terms of... Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, In terms of aesthetic and mentality and everyone having their fucking cokehead karate gimmick. What I'd like to
1: sort of contrast this with as well is Big Order, where, you know, at the end of episode one, you get you know, the the entry of the character designs, you know, fucking ten of these fucking assholes I'm gonna have to learn all about you know, in the form of the council or something. And then this, this series does something kind of similar, but it still, but it, it works this time, where, it feels less arbitrary, you know, because at the end of the first episode, or maybe it's some somewhere into the second. No, nah, I think it's tra- towards the middle end of the first episode, just all the various competitors show up. Some of them have very, very idiosyncratic character designs, and it doesn't make me tired the way that Big Order did.
0: I think there's a critique of Big Order that, I don't know if you would say I got it wrong or if I phrased it incorrectly, but I criticize his pacing or the way that it just shot things out. I really should have just shot it, executed I think, because at the end of the day, the point of doing that kind of thing is you want to feel chaotic or like you're on this whirlwind. And you can't say that people shouldn't juggle knives. There's just a difference between watching someone juggle knives, oh, that's sick, and watching someone drop a fucking meat cleaver onto an audience member's foot and just spot. And the rest of the fucking magic show is just someone screaming in front while medical tries to pull it out and says stop moving, stop moving. It's going to spray everywhere if you keep moving. Give me a chance to take this thing out.
1: And then later that night, you desperately search YouTube or TikTok or anywhere for someone's cell phone footage of the event. (laughs) (laughs) Because you want to see the look on that juggler's face.
0: (laughs) You know it's the only way that anyone's going to fucking believe you
1: execution sir but I want I want to I want to get into the crunchier parts of why this worked. Now I think it's because uh the series big order, right, is already demanding that you digest fucking paragraphs of exposition up to then. This no, it's like so here's this guy He's real fucking good at punching, folks. There's going to be a tournament. Uh, There's some sort of mystery whatever. You don't need to know that much. There's a dude with a cross on his palm, whatever. And, uh, and here's all the people that he's going to be fucking fighting. Look at her. She's a pro wrestler. Look at him. He's got a fucking baseball bat. Look at this dude. He is angry kung Actually, fu, he, man. He doesn't have
0: a baseball bat. You find out in his fight he has the power of knowledge and violence together.
1: It's <laughs> mastery of knowledge and violence. Just, and he says this word for fucking word. And it might be my favorite piece of dialogue from you know the bit of this that we have watched so far. Besides just the perfectly timed, perfectly delivered line, I'm going to kick your ass from the Kung Fu douche that I uh, previously mentioned. I
0: don't know if I should go into the Kung Fu douche or Knowledge and Violence guy first because I have a micro bit on both of them. I'll do them in <laughs> order. So when it comes to Knowledge and Violence guy, right, he has mm-hmm. the smart guy glasses, the track suit, the his seven spears he's... technique with his fucking baseball bat, which I also got a laugh out of. But it struck me, then, the kind of artistry that this show has. I assume the comic has it, too. This seems pretty close to its roots.
1: Yeah. I don't know.
0: Which is that there are a few different kinds of logic, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of the waking world's logic, yeah, like the human conversations we have every day, yeah. nothing that happens in that fight actually makes a lick of fucking sense, right? <laughs> oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> like, not a drip. But where the artistry is that within fight logic, the construction of a fight scene, like a mini narrative, it is perfectly slotted in and intuitive. Oh and yeah, that absolutely. That is where this show has its priorities perfectly down. Like it doesn't care if a word they say actually makes fucking sense, but the fucking flow, man, you gotta have the vibe.
1: Oh, absolutely. This is just fucking the most meat and potatoes goddamn series. But good lord, this this steak is a perfect medium rare.
0: It really is, and this actually brings me to um, your point earlier about how it's not just execution. It does it in a certain awful way. And I think that, if I were to be an MFA nerd about it, I think another dividing thing Mm -hmm. is that whatever silly shit is happening in the early scenes, um, I don't know if it carries out this way in the episodes that will come out after we do this review, obviously, but there is a certain economy in the early scenes that things, the silly shit like the bike chase actually does have a not expository purpose, but the reason they're doing it is also just to establish these things without talking at you as much.
1: Yeah, and you see the three characters who you need to follow for for this series. It's like, you know, him, him, and her. Uh, you see them doing what they do. You see what it is they do. You see them being good at it. You see sort of the scope, I guess, of the series. I don't want to say scope in a narrative sense, you know, like, what are the stakes here? Are they, you know, the, this guy's going to murder me or this guy's going to destroy the universe? It's less that. It's more just, what does the violence look like in this series? Mm. On one end, you have, you know, your your Last of Us 2 just, uh, fucking, <laughs> you know, just, you know, every fucking, you know, dude you kill, you know, screams out for help and, you know, blood gushes. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, fucking on Last the of way, way, two. way the fuck other end of the. Of the of the spectrum, you have your, you know, your Kill la kills and your Gurren Lagans. You're just... The violence is so fucking hyperbolic that it's barely even violence anymore. And this is... Yeah, more towards that other side of the spectrum, gotta tell you, folks.
0: Yeah, um... Boy, getting kicked in the face looks fun in this show. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, he seems to
1: be having fun every time it happens, so, you know.
0: Jin Mori has... What a guy, by the way. <laughs> Distilled fighting game default character.
1: <laughs> he is every, you know, soul bad guy, uh, Jin Kisaragi, uh, third character from that creator. Yeah, um, like, just... Wait, no, not Jin Kisaragi. That, that guy is the dick, right? Yeah, not they, Jin they, Kisaragi.
0: Yeah, you think of like a Ragna the Blood Edge. Ragna
1: the Blood Edge, yeah, there we go.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love those fucking games too by the way I don't know maybe (laughs)
1: they're so good the show has this sense of fun where it's never ever ever afraid to make its characters look stupid at all like it never you know gets gets caught up in itself like the the main character is almost always eating a banana just whenever he's not fighting And,
0: and, and, and no one looks cool when they're eating a banana When they were introducing Kung Fu Girl, I was so worried until they did the fucking sign. Seem like, okay, they know what they're doing. Uh, uh, Like,
1: she she face plants a fucking road sign, and I, you know, almost fucking suffocated. Um, Even, you know, like, giant fucking Kung Fu douche gets fucking pantsed, and he has a fucking elephant on the front of his boxers.
0: I have this eternal love. Like, everyone has the tropes that they're you know, neutral with, or okay with, or embracing their heart. Mm-hmm. And I have a small list of ones I embrace in my heart that will probably be unveiled slowly, trickle by trickle, like a sweet narrative, throughout this podcast, but one of them is the fucking, just kung fu douche, like, just the ujiro Hanmas and Akumas of the world <laughs> kicking open the door of so narrative and saying, I'm here for roundhouse kicks at the civilians. <laughs> Presumably a third thing to move the story along. I don't know, maybe I'm a purer expression of this.
1: <laughs> and then he breaks a child's
0: spine and calls him weak. <laughs> yeah, that is a very important ingredient to the Kung Fu douche. Yeah. The Kung Fu douche exists to make the arrogant Kung Fu guy morally palpable. The, there's a whole lineage. Yeah,
1: it's slightly different. Like, the arrogant Kung Fu guy has... Like baggage or something, right? Yeah. Kung Fu Douche
0: does not have a reason to act the way he does. Like he might, but it's not as important. Sometimes you can even sort of ruin the formula by trying to get into the logic behind it. He is just large and
1: violent and terrifying.
0: And this show had a this show had a fun one, man. There's a just a lot of fun fireworks. The wrestler girl. I got a lot oh, of Oh my favorite out of. my
1: favorite of the side characters. Easy. Fucking easy. Just the second she did a fucking was it a Hurricane Rana? I think it was a Hurricane Rana. Like she at the very least did a fucking somewhere in between like a pedigree and a pile driver. Which was great. I, I was fucking marking out to that.
0: And at first I thought like in this universe's logic, like, oh, so is pro wrestling real in this setting? No. She's just a pro wrestler. <laughs> She's just a fucking pro wrestler, yeah. And, you know, just fights with the moves of a
1: fake martial arts. Oh,
0: I remember, the first thing she does is a fucking diamond cutter.
1: Yes. Uh, (laughs) And it was beautiful.
0: And it's in the midst of that sort of hodgepodge scene where everyone's... It's it's a fucking tournament thing everything does now where everyone's fighting at once in the beginning.
1: Which was cool. And it, it was just a really fucking good, you know, okay, here's what you came for sort of scene. Uh, because you you got to see a little bit of everyone doing their whole thing, they kind of pull out all the stops animation wise too. It's it, it's a nice treat for waiting you know 13 minutes for this. It's yeah. uh, honestly it's I, I feel like I'm being spoiled here.
0: <laughs> that particular sequence made it really hard to miss how much more fun I was having than Tower of God during this.
1: Oh, absolutely! Uh, because Tower. Okay, so here's here's this fucking sequence from Tower of God, and we we watched this episode, right? Mm-hmm. That people think, people have told me, is the coolest shit ever. It's the scene where they go into the room where there's a big, you know, wobbly wall made of water or something, and you have to um, walk through this this water wall or something like that. And you're just told, right? Only like a bad dude can walk through water wall. Uh, And so everyone's like, okay, I'm going to walk through Waterwall. And then the main character, you know, like does or whatever. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem to, you know, cost any effort on his part. He just does it. And then the the dude proctoring this whole game or whatever it is, says something to the effect of like, oh man, this guy must be some kind of fucking monster. And people fucking love this scene. It's, they are excited by this guy getting shilled i don't fucking understand why people like the things they do
0: you don't get the roman reigns fan club over there
1: they talk about how you know this guy shilling you know the boring ass main character sends fucking shivers up their spine how they knew that this was going to be a great fucking show i who are you people What media did you grow up on? What fucking media diet did you grow up on that this, you know, seems at all passable to you as a cool moment?
0: I've thought about this a little, right? I've tried to unpack this fucking mystery of the universe. And my running theory... ...is that they are better people than me. Because what's a human virtue? Forgiveness. And they just forget everything that's actually happening on screen. And just focus on the creator's intent. And they're like, oh man, they wanted this scene to be really cool. They wanted this scene to be so cool. This scene of him walking across the room unimpeded. So I'm going to be a friendly citizen. I'm going to help this man achieve his creative dreams. And I'm going to spend the rest of my internet career pretending like this scene has fucking worth. And you know what? I salute you. Walk through the world making it a better place. You fucking trash mongers. (laughs) Licking garbage cans like they are the plate's are you that
1: fucking starving
0: like is there nothing happening like sometimes they just channel and there's just random decent stuff on i don't know how like with the glut of things that you can really sit through anything below a d
1: i'm not gonna be like well i know that i can't uh because (laughs) i will turn on riverdale and just have such a fantastic time
0: does Jughead have a crown on that show, or did they uh, jump off of that no, one? he's got
1: he's got like a fucking hat that looks like the crown thing. It's very much a translation. Fair. And again, I should be more pissed because Jughead fucks in that show.
0: <laughs> they took that from you, Sam. They took the only thing the Ace community has other than assorted fucking robots. And some of those <laughs> robots still want to fuck.
1: Some of the robots still want to fucking fuck. I get liking things that are bad. Why does anyone like things that are boring, too?
0: It is a great question, because you you got to choose boring. I, I don't know if I don't get enough sleep, but sometimes during the duller shows, like not the pain shows, because the pain shows will just sort of needle you awake with rage, but during a real oh, yeah, absolutely program, I kind of just have a tendency to nod off for a second...
1: Well, it's it's interesting because some of the pain shows and uh, it kind of inspire me. Inspire. Um, they engender the same reaction in me that uh, boring shows do. Like you saw me watching Princess Connect Redive, right? And how oh, the fucking light went out of my eyes.
0: Yeah, you you were pretty fucking cadavers during that business. It was an interesting watch.
1: Yeah, you would think that I was bored. Uh, where mostly I was just wondering why I even do anything. Although I think. When I see something boring, my, my reaction is less that and more just. I don't know, I just fucking go to my phone or something. I try to.
0: You don't become Dr. Manhattan building little cities into sand.
1: I try to just tell myself, oh, it's only three episodes so that we could record the content. That is sort of um how I reacted to Tower of God versus how I reacted to Princess Connect Redive. I guess if y'all, Tower of God stands, you know want uh want something from me. Princess Connect redive was worse. <laughs> Definitely.
0: That is true. It is lose your left hand and right pinky, I guess that that is another comparison. But mm-hmm. yeah, if I could close out the God of high school. Yes <laughs> This thing beat my expectations on all fronts. If the world is moving a bit too quickly for you these days I might actually just strongly recommend this one as a good show that means nothing like
1: Oh it's it's a great like little detox slash hard reset of your brain because just here is the man. He is the punching man. He is going to the punching man stadium. There are all the punching mans. That's where they are. They live there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a real Ariel fucking milkshake of a program.
1: Absolutely. Um so the Great Pretender
0: this show's liege lord is netflix right yes and i have a pocket theory true or untrue but it's just a fun way to construct the conversation at least mm-hmm. netflix has a production method where they often will look at an existing property and say oh shit people liked x we should have an x yes and my theory on the great pretender's existence and it worked out well this time it's going to sound sn- snide but this is how i think the process came about is they came up to an anime studio with a sack full of money and a sort of confused, glazed person said, Can you make me a Lupin? I want a Lupin.
1: (laughs) I would like my own Lupin. Uh, well, Lupin's definitely, like, here in this thing's DNA, certainly. I would describe this as, like, somewhere between, um, like, Lupin and Heat.
0: Yeah.
1: Or Ocean's Eleven, actually, is probably uh, even more accurate. Lupin the Third and Ocean's Eleven. And... (sighs) I want to start with the protagonist of this thing, Edamura. He's a good protagonist, right? He's got you know, like, and, and, and he's nothing you know we haven't really seen before. But it's uh, it's sort of you know going back to that whole execution thing. Interestingly enough, it uh, it has a whole lot to do with context too. So Edamura, right? He is this con man, uh, and the whole thrust of this show is that uh, there is a con man, the best in Japan apparently, or you know, self proclaimed best in Japan who is himself conned by a couple of international uh, con men who drag him to L.A. to assist them in, you know, a con of their own. They're trying to con this one, you know, Hollywood producer who's also a drug kingpin out of, you know, $10 million. I think they, they wanted $5 million, it ballooned up to $10 million, and, and, they're, and they're kind of, like, just dangling on the edge of the string.
0: I love anime pitches, by the way. Like just oh, descriptions. yeah, yeah. Of what the content will be.
1: And what's kind of fun, and what I kind of immediately noticed, and this was weird, and I don't actually know if it means anything, I've uh, got this character who has, in his bones, such a fucking shonen anime, you know, goal, right? I want to be the number one con man in the world, right? And in another show, this would have some really strange kind of, like, head hurdy world-building where there's this big fucking, you know, organized and ordered society oh, there'd of be con rankings. men or something. There'd be ranks. They'd all have fucking, like, there'd be one who is understood to be, like, the best one ever, you know, and he's either alive or dead or something like that. There's, a, there's, uh, a, saying... there's
0: someone stitching, like, experimental con men together from corpses
1: Exactly. Yes, that's right the fuck on. They're doing, like, dark fucking science in order to soup someone up to make them lie better or something. And this is not that show. This show is just a guy who has kind of a shonen anime motivation. And here he is in L.A. And they shoot people
0: there. (laughs) They do a really fun job of, I guess, just the emotional texture of being completely out of your depth. And you keep digging deeper with every dumb fucking lie you tell. Well, out of your depth
1: and just amazingly fucking in goddamn danger.
0: It is almost a fun simulation of what it is like to cheat on someone. And I, <laughs> yeah, I, what really helps with the whole Edomura thing is they really do achieve the balancing act between underdog appeal and confidence. Which, I don't know when that became one of my whipping boys, except we keep on watching anime and... Every anime really wants to have its cake and eat it too. There, and I guess a few things help make this happen. First off, the way that they are just willing to make Edamura sell for the fucking French con artist in the first two episodes.
1: Oh man, yeah. Well, they do a good job with the booking, right? Because they, you know, he he pulls off some really fucking unlikely shit. Not unlikely, but he's good. He's good at what he does, and and like, and you were amazingly, you know, showing that he is good at what he does thankfully shown not told and then throughout you know over the course of the next episode and a half or so you are shown in great fucking steven soderbergh detail right yeah which is to say they drop you into it and you you can only kind of guess what's happening until you start putting it together when he does that Laurent and Abigail, right? The, yep. These two other common are really fucking good at what they do.
0: Yeah, this it does a good job of showing, like, oh, this is how big the ocean is. Mm-hmm. Abigail, by the way, uh, Sam has a uh, private theory that she is from the spiritual lineage of Revi.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. In my head, I have decided that uh, the Great Pretender and Black Lagoon take place in the same universe. There's nothing to suggest that they don't. <laughs> uh, they they in no ways would, um, would contradict one another if they did.
0: The wielder of the hot pants. There was a
1: bit of confusion where they were talking about, you know, it being the 90s or something, or maybe I just thought they were talking about it being the 90s, and they all have, you know, cell phones, at the very least, probably smartphones, so I think it takes place modern times. I'm not really... I'm not really entirely sure.
0: Yeah, we sort of crossed ourselves up in that one because we are incredibly sober gentlemen, 100% of the time.
1: I am the dumb boy. The dumbest boy. (laughs) Yeah, I was going, I think, an episode and a half or so, believing that, okay, so this takes place in the 90s. (laughs) No, it doesn't.
0: While we're talking core cast, there's a great thing this thing does, because this is sort of a globe-hopping adventure. It brings people from different little backgrounds and dishes together, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of the humor, and it's yeah. a small thing, not a big movie thing, but just something I really enjoyed in this fucking show. This show has the best casual racism I think I've heard in a while. <laughs> Elaborate. Elaborate. Like, fucking Lawrence keeps on translating fucking Edamura's name as Edamame.
1: Oh, yeah, Abigail just keeps getting, not dismissed, I suppose, of but thought of as kind of an afterthought because she is a woman of color.
0: Yeah, yeah, like everyone around Abigail is just dropping these. She belongs to the streets. Lines,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but I, I think this is just more just to sort of show you just how you know fucking bad the bad guy that they're trying to con is. I think he sort of, she had infiltrated you know his entourage, uh, various ladies who hang around his pool, and he basically, after a brief you know introduction, sort of offers her up to laurent and Edamura as though she is a party favor and just like yeah you could you could keep her or something i'm
0: like jesus fucking christ dude oh oh the one that was a great animation gag when the great detective comes in to uh oh spoiler coming in here right by the way i don't know skip 45 seconds i don't know what the fuck when the lady detective comes into the police department and says okay everyone we're going to try to actually solve the case now (laughs) <laughs> at one point when she is looking through uh, it's like a, a spyglass or a window whatever when she's looking away for a second and everyone in unison flips this lady off with the same motion
1: <laughs> I, it, yeah now I remember that little gag there, there's a whole lot of flipping the bird gags in this I remember there's this one bit where you can only see Abigail's hand and she flips off Lauren for whatever reason yeah I want to see if I can like break this whole thing down. So we got characters, good world building is great. Uh, it doesn't really need to build a world so much to just drop you in, you know, this version of the real world. Uh, style wise, right? This this show has such fucking flair.
0: It has a lot of flair in the first two seconds. I, I was coming in with my fucking princess reconnect, redive dive princess shit show hangover, and mm-hmm. I saw the first thing was like, hey. These guys have different faces. These guys have different faces and they have could, different faces. You could just do the whole fucking Disney what's this? What's this song at that point for me Yeah ab- absolutely.
1: <laughs> I love the show's use of color. I love that there's a lot of it and that it's exceptionally vibrant. Not that anime has ever had a problem with being brown that's uh, that's very much a Western media sort of thing but I I, I just think that they use it spectacularly well in this.
0: It does pop. It does pop.
1: On my fiancé's behalf, I have to also draw attention, or call attention, to the ED of this show and how fucking great that is. (laughs) You know, just this visual metaphor with
0: cats. (laughs) It's essentially a serenade by a cat singing about being a cat while going through various sequences that if they are not coited spoilers, I will eat one of my fingers.
1: Oh, I mean, they... They are clearly coded spoilers.
0: Yeah, that is really entertainingly done. I enjoyed that.
1: It seems kind of facile to say that this uh, anime has a sort of a fun kind of international feel to it, given that it is about, you know, a Japanese man, a Frenchman, and a um a woman from probably like, I don't know, South Central America. That's the, the they, they never really tell us in L.A. And it is an anime. But there's this other sort of aspect that this show has, just including a uh, music choice and just the uh you know the character design too where it just feels so much worldlier than um than an anime sort of usually has to feel
0: well, the thing that it kind of reminded me of mm-hmm. I remember Sword of the Stranger did a good job of just reminding you how big the world itself is with just these edge cases of cultural diffusion, like, this white guy who wound up in China, who wound up with these assassins, who wound up in Japan, who bumped into this runaway noble, and this Dutch guy started trying to blend in in Japan. Okay, word. And this, you know, obviously takes place in a society a little more international than fucking, um, that era of Japan, but still, the show does a good job making this feel like a lot of things colliding and... Some crazy stuff is going to happen, guys.
1: Here's what it is. It's the fact that um, beyond all of these, which you could even sort of refer to as superficial elements, this show does not feel too amazingly weighed down with the way that an anime usually is and usually has to be, just in terms of subject matter, plot structure, and general sort of feel. There's a genocidal, qual- and I'm not. A, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing necessarily, right? You know, like a whole bunch of my favorite shit is just so very clearly, just so amazingly anime, and it's not like this feels like it's any less anime, and that that may that'd make it better if it were, uh, right? Because it still has, you know, you know, your sort of plucky main character wants to be the number one, like it's it still like knows where its roots are.
0: Plucky main character, hot pants, violence, girl.
1: Yeah, exactly. But the show itself manages to be such a citizen of the world uh, that it feels very new and exciting because of that.
0: Yeah, it particularly has an amusing take on a, a lot of passing Hollywood sensibilities. I I, don't know, I always end up zeroing in on the little parodies that anime put inside of themselves. First off, because yeah. this is a the lot b of fun movies. to do. Yeah, the, the b movie. This is a lot of fun to do in a bad anime as well because you will see shows with no right. To parody anyone firing shots.
1: I remember one of the Twilight movies had them go see what was you know meant to be this just this horribly brain meltingly stupid action flick and I god I wanted to be watching that movie.
0: Right right this show just has a bunch of skizzo versions of blockbusters which I found amusing there was a die hot
1: and it was this weird kind of um, pulpy samurai action flick.
0: Yeah, and the implication also be that this um, I don't know if he's supposed to be a pure hack or just maybe a populist, but the guy is not exactly making art house cinema. Well,
1: he's like one of those Italian directors from the '60s, but um, so it's a, like a little bit of an anachronism. He's like one of those Italian directors from like the '60s who is making all those like B movies and the fucking you know like. Spaghetti westerns and the you know the sword and sandal bullshit that sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know on shoestring budgets and they're very obviously dubbed over and extremely <laughs> campy and you know a whole lot of people love them because of how silly they are. I seem to be like kind of one of those kind of sorts of things.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. And then they sprinkled some Scarface and Harvey Weinstein dust on him, and you had a character.
1: Yeah, fine. He didn't seem like he was any one real-life person, or rather than, you know, three or four of them.
0: But, to be fair, I, I don't know if, um, yeah, old Weinstein wouldn't really make a good villain as heavy on his own set of traits. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. You just have fucking victims describing his malformed genitals and him seething in the background.
1: Oh, I'm looking it up. This is not going to be 12 episodes. This is going to be full 23 episodes long. Sorry, a little bit of a non sequitur here, but I like that they're kind of committing to the whole long-form storytelling thing here.
0: Finally some good fucking food.
1: <sighs> I felt so alive when I was watching this. This and uh, God of High School. Oh, God of High School, the studio who did that is the one that's taking over Attack on Titan. So this was their kind of job app for me. I'm going to miss which studio, but if like they keep that shit up, then okay, fine yeah
0: as long as the money's good, um, we know they can make something pretty.
1: different director well we'll we'll see. we'll see how yeah. we'll see how they do. I was not too amazingly thrilled to see that Wit Studio was not going to be doing the final season of attack on Titan, but i I, I know how things go.
0: That's really unfortunate because you don't see the magic come together that often.
1: and there's shit that goes on on the other side of the camera, and I understand. Like, I understand that you know, things are not released. They escape. And, you know, stuff like this happens all the time. If it's fucking God of High School quality, then I will not bitch at all.
0: Yeah, I would be very happy to see Levi pull some of those crackhead air taekwondo moves they had Jin popping off in that thing.
1: I think he's done. Right, We got one more great Levi sequence, Um, at least up to present, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll see how they do with that. And that's going to be, like, most of the way through this... Well, most... Uh, halfway? We'll see. It's probably going to be, like, a full... Shit, shit, we're supposed to be talking about The Great Pretender. I swear to God. <laughs> this happens all the time.
0: It's, it's a real problem we have. Um, I enjoyed this show's portrayal of the uh, corrupt oinkman.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not I'm like... I'm
0: sorry, I'm sorry. That's not a good way to... Refer to the Slave Catchers General. They do have a vital role in our (laughs) society.
1: He's not exactly the most accurately portrayed oinkman, right? In that, you know, he... They just portray him as dirty. And if he was just fucking dirty, it's the LAPD. So at some point, if this show has done its homework...
0: Oh, boy. (laughs) Time to use the occupational brass knucks. (laughs)
1: Ooh, you do not seem to be qualified to be immune to this ass beat.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: hug six plus six. Hug six plus six. I'm going to come back and say it again. It's so fucking great to see what an anime can do when it's not wasting its time on stupid bullshit. When it, you know, introduces its world and its characters quickly, efficiently, and without, you know, having to shove, you know, like, paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs of information down your throat before you can understand anything that's going on, right? Because you're not going to remember how this show makes you feel. I mean, you are. It's going to make you feel like it's shoved information down your throat, if that is indeed what you're doing. But, you know, you've got got this one, right? Which is just uh, these two shows, both of these shows, which are just... Interested in having fun in the way that they have fun, right? By you know, like kind of dropping you into the sort of you know Lupin, you know Danny Oceanesque peril that you know this guy spends every episode in, or just <sighs> I'm gonna kick your ass.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna kick your oh god, I fucking. And then guy,
1: but... and then the dude gets punched into the fucking bleachers and demands that the fans carry him back to the state or carry him back to the ring. <laughs>
0: To avoid a count out. yep.
1: And, like, yes, I know that there are, you know, big, complicated reasons why, you know, something that is a little bit more complicated would work or whatever, but when you've got a show, focus on what would be the draw of the show, and then lean into that. And you should be okay.
0: I'm gonna be Master Splinter and say to remember your fundamentals.
1: Remember the fucking the fundamentals.
0: Angle from which you strike. Oh, man, I miss Mako now. And before we close out on The Great Pretender, by the way, I do want to say that just watching the individual scams unfold so far is a lot of fun. It does that fucking heist movie thing where it goes back after some things and shows you how some pieces came to be where they are, and they're well put together enough that that always feels like watching someone else put a puzzle together on YouTube on double speed.
1: Absolutely, it's and and you feel so proud of yourself. It's like you know, like a like a fucking like Sherlock Holmes or uh, Agatha Christie thing, where right? once they reveal, you know, a piece. Right when he um noticed that they were all wearing the same watch. And, it, and he put it together, and that's like about when I put it together, but it was before they explained everything uh, that I realized, oh shit, this has been, you know, he's been set up. And, you know, it, it felt fun sort of, you know, unraveling that in my head before you know, we got the denouement from, uh, from Laurent. It, it's good at the things that it needs to be good at.
0: And with that, let me say, you'll never get me to say it again, anime is good.
1: Anime is good. I love anime. If you like anime, then I like you.
0: I like you too. And this has been Weeaboo Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. I am Denard Dale, local writer, comedian, and vagrant.
1: I am Sam Legault. Currently employed.
0: And boy, is that better than the alternative. (laughs) Thank you for watching. Gently hug the police. (laughs) Yeah <laughs>